0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky, guys, for leading us in that time of worship. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 13 in just a moment. Uh, We have been walking through the book of James for quite a while, and uh, little did we know when Pastor Jamie and I prayed about walking through James, little did we know that we would be walking through some pretty radical and, and incredible test of faith. But God in his sovereignty led us to this word, and this morning we'll actually be closing out the book of James. James chapter 5, verse 13, we'll begin to read and we'll think about how we as believers can actually pass through the test, how we can pass your test through through prayer. As we've been walking through the book of James, we've seen quite frequently over and over again that James had a primary purpose for writing this book, that Basically, what James was getting at all throughout the book was that a faith without works is dead. A true faith is a faith that works. A true faith in Jesus Christ is a a faith that leads us to do good works. The scriptures are very clear that none of us can ever do anything to earn salvation. It is not by works not by our own our own doings, it's not by anything that we could do in order to receive salvation, but actually the scriptures teach it as simply through, through grace and, and through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. But James then has also been very clear that as a result of that saving faith that comes through Christ, as a result of that saving faith we have in Christ and in Him alone, that you and I are then Called to do good works, a true saving faith is a faith that does good works. James has given us several tests of genuine faith throughout this book. And I just wanted to summarize them very briefly just so we could remember exactly what it is that, that we've been studying in the book of James. James was clear that he told us that, that again, a faith, a faith that is true saving faith is, is a faith that is working. And he talks about several of the tests that he gives us that faith is actually proven by works. Our faith is proven by a tongue that is bridled. Our faith is is characterized by wisdom from above. Uh, Our faith is is a faith that is avoiding worldliness. uh, Our faith is a faith that is pursuing God's will for our lives. Our faith is a a faith that ultimately passes the test of patience. The question, though, that still remains before us as we close out this book is is how, how can we pass all of these tests? For example, last week as we were thinking about this test, the test of patience and how we can have endurance, basically what James says is you, you don't know how to, how, to, how, to, how to pass this test of faith. He just says, just be patient. Now now when I think about the way James words that, sometimes I'm reminded as a father of five children, four children. I keep so stumbling on that. We have a, a foster child right now. But I think about the children that we have in our home. You know, it's easy for me to tell my children, be patient. I can teach you patience by telling you just be patient. And as, and as we walk through this word, sometimes that's exactly almost how it might feel. The question is, how do we actually pass the test that James says really reveals how true our faith is? Well, he has saved it to this point. He's closing out this letter. He's closing out this idea of how to pass all these tests by really, as believers, focusing on one primary tool that we have in our toolbox. You ready for it? It's prayer. James chapter 5, begin reading in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly, and it would not rain, that it would not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we, Lord, as we dig into your word this morning, that you would teach us, Lord, the radical truth of how powerful prayer really is. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that, Lord, you would, you would strengthen us, Lord, knowing that you've given us the most powerful tool in our arsenal. You've given us the most powerful tool that we have in our toolbox in order to, to pass the many tests of faith. Lord, it's the powerful resource, the powerful tool of prayer. Lord, I ask that as we consider living a faith, Living out of faith that is real. Lord, I ask that you would teach us the importance of prayer. And then, Lord, that we would be a people who truly, who truly humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. Lord, lead God and direct us now. I ask us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. In order to really understand what's going on here, we have to remember why James wrote the book of James, this letter in the first place. If you remember, James wrote to a Jewish audience. These were Jewish believers who had been forced really to flee from Palestine really by the persecution that's recorded in Acts chapter 8. They were a people who were forced to leave their homeland because they were being persecuted. Now understand that they were Jewish and they were Christian. They were messianic Jews, they were Christians who have came from a Jewish background because of this, they faced a lot of persecution from the pagan culture which they found themselves. the world didn 't understand the world the world ostracized the world hated the world disregarded these Jewish Christians so it's in the midst of all of that it's in the midst of of all the trials it's in the midst of all the suffering that James says with with everything that's going on in your life as believers the way you should respond is through prayer James is telling this to Christians who found themselves being persecuted for their faith. James is saying this to Christians who found themselves in a society who didn't understand them. James is saying this to a group of people who looked radically different from the world around them. And as a result, the world was leaning in, pressuring in, and persecuting them. Today, in our own society, in our own context... There are many in this world who are believers who are being leaned in on, pressed in on by a world that just doesn't understand. We're constantly going through battles. We're constantly going through tests of faith. All these tests that James has mentioned before. And and we say, okay, how how do we deal with it? Yes, okay, we We have a test of patience right now. What do we do? Just, Just be patient. Yes, we're to be patient, but how do we do that? James says, Pray. Pray fervently. Pray consistently. Pray. Pray before an almighty God who is ready to move in a mighty way. James gives us four, really four truths here concerning prayer that I'd like for us to kind of walk through this morning. Four truths I'd like us to consider about the power of prayer and how we can use this to pass the test of faith that the Lord himself brings to us. The first truth that we see in this text is that prayer brings comfort. Prayer brings comfort. Look at verse 13 again. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing Now you got to understand the suffering mentioned here is really also kind of again in its context even back in verse 10. The scriptures are clear that what James is dealing with here, these, these are people who are suffering who are really enduring evil treatment by people more so than just physical illness. Oftentimes when people read these scriptures, maybe sometimes out of their context, they immediately go to those who are suffering physical illness. And, and look, the scriptures are clear. I think that we can't expect God to still bring physical healing in a lot of ways. But this test here particularly is of those who are suffering because, simply because of their faith. These are people who are suffering because they're just being treated evilly by the world. James says that that listen the the antidote to such suffering is prayer the antidote to, to deal with with the with the persecution of the world is to simply pray verse 13 tells us that we should continuously pray in the, in the original language it could be translated as a continual pleading before god literally can be translated let that person just keep on keeping on praying pray constantly Pray repeatedly. Pray over and over and over and over and over again. I'm fearful that in our own society, especially in our Western culture, that we go through seasons and cycles of prayer. Right now, in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, there probably, I'm um, hoping, there are more believers who are praying now more than ever before. What's going to happen when, when we begin to get a grip on this? What's going to happen when we as the church begin to gather together again? What's going to happen in our society, and our culture, when we get back to a to a sense of, I don't know, whatever the new normal might be? Let me tell you what typically happens. Even in the life of the believer, prayer becomes a distant reality. James says... In the midst of the crisis, before the crisis, in the middle of it, after it, doesn't matter. James here, the word he uses is as a be as a believer, as as a Christian people. You and I are to be constantly praying, over and over and over again. Whether we find ourselves in the midst of the, in the midst of the, of the situation in the midst of the trial in the midst of the temptation, whether it's before or after it does not matter that we as god's people are constantly pursuing him in passionate prayer we're praying nonstop repeatedly over and over and over again. why? because James tells us prayer is what brings us comfort now understand here what, what James is saying is that is that is that Having a a faith in Christ, having a a certainty that God is going to move, that is what ultimately brings us comfort. You say, well, I don't really see it. Look at it again in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Now, oftentimes when people read this, they think that James is writing to two different people. Because, I mean, how in the world could someone who's suffering at the same time be someone who's cheerful? What can I tell you? James is writing to the same person. James is basically digging a little bit deeper. He says, for you who's the believer, are you suffering right now? Are you going through a trial? Are you going through a struggle? Then then pray. And as you do so, as you find your comfort in God, because you know God's going to provide, you know God's going to continue to lead, you know that God's going to continue to guide because that's who God is. You've seen it. You've experienced it. Are you suffering right now? Then pray. And as you do so, just go ahead and start singing praises because you know God is faithful. James says that's what brings us comfort. There was a hymn that we as the church have sung for many years. What a friend we have in Jesus. Pastor Ricky, I was thinking about the words of that song. A beautiful hymn written many years ago. It goes like this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? we should never be discouraged take it to the lord in prayer there's another verse are we weak and heavy laden cumbered with a load of care precious savior still our refuge take it to the Lord in prayer. I believe the psalmist gets it, that prayer brings comfort. Why? Because as we're praying, we can place all of our confidence in God because because he is always faithful. He's always moving. Are you suffering right now? Then pray. And as you pray, Right now, just begin to sing praises because you know God is faithful. You know God is going to work. You know God is going to do good for you. Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. If, if you right now are suffering, and even in the midst of that, if you are someone who can still still be cheerful, James says, because of the faithfulness of God, because of the comfort that he brings, then sing praises. Let me ask you a question. Are you a person who in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle, are you a person who can continue to keep a cheerful attitude in the midst of that suffering? James tells us, if that's you, if you're suffering, pray. And As you pray, just go ahead and start singing praises now. Because God is faithful and he'll bring comfort to you. Sing praises to the glory of God. You see, prayer brings comfort. But also we see in this text that prayer brings restoration. Prayer brings comfort and prayer brings restoration. Pick up in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see, this, again, really needs to be looked at in its context. Now, should sick believers expect God to bring physical healing through the prayers of his people? Well, I would say yes. We know that God still does miracles. I will say this, at the same time, sometimes the way God answers our prayer, even in the midst of physical, needing the need of physical healing, might look different from what we desire and set our hearts towards. But again, in the context here, that's not what James is speaking of specifically. He's not talking about physical healing. You see, the, the, the proper interpretation in its context is that, is that, as we've seen in the previous verse, the suffering that James is more focused on is the evil treatment, it is, is the, the treatment that we receive because we're believers in Christ. It's the, the suffering, the, the spiritual suffering that we might be going through, more so than the, than the physical illness. Does God still bring healing to the physical body? absolutely but James's concern here is our spiritual well-being you see many scholars believe that these sick people they're possibly those who are who are tired due to their suffering they're exhausted from the spiritual battle they they find it difficult to endure now I have, a, I have a good guess that there's probably more people watching right now, more so than a physical ailment a physical ailment an illness that you have in your body physically that there's probably more of you who fit this bill right here because of the spiritual suffering that we face every day of our life. The battle just continues to wage on, and before long we just we begin to 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 get weary. We just feel like we can't go another day, even spiritually, because it's just this battle that we're facing, this temptation, this sin that's ever before us, it's just wearing us out. This is the person who's then encouraged to call on the elders for prayer. Scripture goes on to say and also the anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Now you got to understand oil was yes in, indeed used as for its medicinal value, but also oil was was used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming over someone. You think about Samuel anointing David as the coming king. The scriptures tell us there in 1 Samuel that as as Samuel was anointing David, that the Holy Spirit came and dwelt on David and was with him the remainder of the days of his life. You see, this oil was a, a symbolic gesture, a, a, a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon that person. One of the primary roles of elders, of leaders in the church is to pray for, to strengthen, and to lift up those who are discouraged. When you combine the prayers of, of faithful people, even people who are struggling, even people who are, who are just at their wit's end, you combine the prayers of, of God's people with the, with the elders and the leaders in the church who are called to live a life of righteousness. When you combine those prayers, God shows up and God shows out. When, when this is done, the prayer of faith, the scriptures tell us, the prayer of faith will save, literally, it will restore the sick person. This, this kind of prayer, this, this praying for, for our spiritual well-being, it restores the struggling person to a, to a spiritual wholeness. Right now, you might feel like your life is broken. You might feel absolutely parched dry spiritually there's hope for you it comes through prayer it comes through going and and seeking prayer of those around you it's going and and finding people who will who will lift you up and join with you in praying prayer brings restoration thirdly scriptures teach us here that prayer brings reconciliation look at the first part of verse 16 it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, now understand, sin oftentimes tries, really tries to remain private and secret. But, but God actually wants to expose it and deal with it. What, what James is encouraging here really is just a, uh, just a, I guess you would say, the continuation of the previous point. that that prayer really does bring restoration. And and so we we should ask those around us to pray with us. We should seek out godly counsel. We should seek out godly leaders. We should go to the elders of the church and ask them to join us in prayer for this spiritual healing in our life. And at the same time that we do that, if we have sinned against our brother, the scriptures teach us here and elsewhere, that we should go and we should confess those sins to those that we've wronged. Now hear me, I know we live in a in a society where many believe that you should go to a, to a priest and confess your sins. That's not what this scripture teaches here. You see, we should first and foremost, yes, go to the leadership in the church, and we should ask them to pray with us and to pray for us because there is power in united prayer. But what this is really teaching is that if you have faulted someone, if your sins have affected not only yourself, but some, you've sinned against someone, then not only are we to pray to God, not only we to ask those around us in leadership to pray with us, but we should go and we should confess those sins to the person that we've wronged. Sin oftentimes likes to hide itself in the darkness and God says if you really want to deal with it if you really want to want to take care of it if you if you really want forgiveness of this sin then we've got to shed light on our sin so if you've wronged someone if someone's wronged you then then ultimately it should bring reconciliation by the two of you approaching each other and and making this right I believe James is a good old southern kingdom Jew because as you read here in verse sixteen, verse sixteen, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. If he was a southern kingdom Jew, and you'd understand here that really these are the second plural, second person plural. So, so what he's saying here is therefore confess y'all's, you all's, y'all's sins to one another, and and pray for one another so that so that y'all may be healed it's not it's not just the singular here very clearly what James is saying is that if there is sin in the camp if there's sin between fellow believers if there's if there's sin and and there's struggle and there's pain uh, with you and, and someone who else is following Christ then go to that person and make it right and ultimately God will bring reconciliation will bring forgiveness and healing to the body of Christ So so prayer is is incredible. It it comforts. It, It brings restoration. Prayer brings reconciliation. And finally, prayer brings power. Pick up in verse 16 again. Prayer brings power. Prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. You see, James encourages all believers to pray for the spiritually weak because such prayer is very powerful in its effect. Oftentimes we're so busy praying for ourselves and our own needs that we forget to pray for those who might be around us who are struggling spiritually. That's what James is dealing with here. And he's saying that, that as, as a follower of Christ, if you're someone who's walking with Christ and growing even in, in righteousness, growing in respect to salvation, you're, you're seeing him do great and mighty things, and you're drawing close to him as he's drawing closer to you, and you're walking more and more in righteousness each and every day, then what you and I should be doing is praying for those who are struggling, praying for those who are dealing with their own sins and temptations we'll do that. If we'll be faithful as people who are pursuing God, walking in his righteousness, if we will pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us it will have a very powerful effect. Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15 verse 8 says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You compare this really to what the Prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah one. God's people were called to offer sacrifices before the Lord. These were things that God had called the people to do. But in Isaiah one, Prophet Isaiah quotes God and saying, "Why do you continue to offer these sacrifices? Why do you continue to go through these emotions? Why he even says why Why do you even continue to pray? I find it all. What the prophet says that God says. I find it all putrid." I find it all disgusting because you're just going through the motions. You're not pursuing me. You're not walking in righteousness. You just want to live your life the way you want to, but you think that you can then offer sacrifices, and you can say a few things, and everything's going to be a okay. God says, I know your heart. The sacrifice of the wicked, Proverbs says, the sacrifice of the person who's not pursuing God, it's an abomination to the Lord, but... The prayer of the upright, the prayer of the person who's walking deeply and personally and intimately with the Lord. The prayer of the upright is his, is God's delight. I believe if we'll be a people who walk deeply and intimately with God, if we will just pursue him with all that we have, even though we'll struggle, even though there'll still be temptation, even though there's going to be tests of our faith, if we would just be a people who are walking deeply and intimately with God and we're pursuing Him with all of our hearts, if we're increasing in the righteousness that God gives to us, if we will walk with Him as we pray, as we pursue His will, the Bible tells us God will delight Himself in us. James gives an example. A man by the name of Elijah. Understand, he's a man with a sin nature just like us. He was a man of flesh. He was a man who struggled. He was a man who was still sinful. The Bible tells us that as he was pursuing God in his righteousness, that Elijah prayed earnestly and incredible things happened. You see, God does powerful things through the prayers of his faithful people. So what James does in the close of this letter, he reveals several truths concerning prayer. He tells us that prayer, it brings comfort, that that prayer brings restoration, that prayer brings reconciliation, that prayer is powerful, it brings power. Are you passing the test? Are you passing all the tests that James has given us? Are you living your life characterized by by wisdom from above? Are you you speaking with a tongue that's bridled? Are Are you... Shrugging off worldliness and pursuing a right relationship with God, walking in righteousness as we studied? Or are you being a person who's characterized by a life that is filled with good fruits? Or are, you, are you living your life for the glory of God? Are you passing the test? You say, I'm struggling. It's, it's, it's difficult. In the midst of the trials and the struggles and the temptation right now, I'm, I'm really having a difficult time, Pastor. Pray. Pray. Pray fervently. Pray constantly. Pray repeatedly. Pray not that your will be done. Pray that God's will will be done. Stop praying for yourself and pray for those around you. Ask those that, that you love and you know and you trust. Ask them to pray with you. Pray Pray, church. Pray as God's people. Watch God do powerful things through prayer that glorifies Him. Would you pray with me? As Pastor Ricky comes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do some business with the Lord this morning. Say, how are we going to close this morning? Look, I... I'd be pretty foolish not to say you just need to hit your knees and pray. Right now, maybe you just, if you feel comfortable, just pause for a second and turn around and get on your knees right there by your couch. Grab the hand of your spouse. Grab the hand of your children. Just for a few moments, just pray. Cry out to God. Fathers, show your your children, how to pray. Just hold on to each other and, and pray fervently, knowing that God is going to move, He's going to work, that, that it is through this prayer He's going to show Himself as faithful and that and that He will bring you comfort. Know that that God brings restoration, He brings Forgiveness of sins, he brings healing to a a broken relationship. Maybe you're listening this morning and you say, I've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Again, the scriptures tell us here that even forgiveness can be granted of your sins. If, If you'll pray fervently, repent of your sins, turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, prayer brings restoration. Prayer brings reconciliation. It brings healing. reconciles people who've been forced apart because maybe of their own pride and sin in their own hearts. Prayer is powerful. So as Pastor Ricky leads us in this time, just, just pray. If you're watching this morning and And you'd like to know how you can trust in Jesus Christ as Savior Lord we have pastors and leadership in the church who are online right now you can send a a, a private message through your Facebook live feed you can email you can go to our website there's a a link provided at the top of the page just how we could follow up with you right now if if you're seeking what it means to know Jesus Christ as Savior Lord turn to him trust in him if you're a believer in Christ and a member of this body of Christ already, Lord, I I just I just ask that you will you will just seek him fervently. Pray. 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 Heavenly Father, we love you. We trust you. Again, I ask that you would do a great and mighty work in us. Lord, right now as we seek your face, speak to our hearts. Help us to see, Lord, that as your people We can see you do powerful things through the prayers of your righteous people. Lord, we know that none of us in and of ourselves is righteous. You have granted to us your own righteousness. But Lord, as we pursue you, as we desire to know you, as we read your word, as we pray fervently, Lord, may we become more and more like you each and every day. Lord, right now there's someone who's listening who's struggling. Right now there's someone who's listening that their faith has begun to wane. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would lift them up, that they would seek the help of those around them, that, Lord, you would restore in them. Restore in them a faith that cannot be shaken. Lord, speak to our hearts be with us now. You do a work in us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.